2: This Dodgers podcast is brought to you by Fan To help out the pod, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your Dodgers podcast. Give us a rating, subscribe, all that fun business.
3: It's Let's ride. It's time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, man. It's time for Dodger baseball.
2: What's going on, Dodger fans? Hope you're having a good week out there. This is Kevin Klein flying solo, kind of because Jake Reiner and David Rosenthal are out, but we weren't going to just do the show with just me. So I decided to get someone with way more knowledge than all of us combined. And you know him very well, like the Dodgers players, very versatile. So he fits right in. And we'll get into the history later of why he's so critical to the Dodgers' longstanding history with great players and broadcasters. So part of the broadcast team joining this season, I'm talking about Jose Moda. Jose, thank you so much for joining the Incline Dodgers today.
3: Hey, Kevin. Thanks so much, man. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Obviously, uh, I appreciate the passion that I felt, I mean, since I joined the Dodgers. Not that I didn't know about it before, but obviously uh, you guys are so engaged and so interested in your team and so many details. But in terms of expertise, I think uh, you have me on that with the Dodgers, especially a run here in the last few seasons of the postseason
2: we're going to dive into a number of topics but i wanted to get the show rolling with mookie Betts because why not he just hit a career high in home runs 33 of them he's a six and a half war player he scored 105 runs this season and he's not only doing it on offense but defensively he's been a monster a 13 defensive runs saved out there in the outfield we just had him mic'd up on sunday night baseball on espn It was a great interview, but one of my biggest takeaways from that was he basically said he's having the time of his life as a Los Angeles Dodger, and he's loving it. So another thing that was really interesting that's been pointed out as of late is Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman uh, essentially reinvigorating him as a hitter. We've noticed this season he's a lot more aggressive on the first pitch. So I'm going to pass it over to you, Jose. I wanted you to essentially break down how generational of a hitter Mookie Betts has been and maybe how slightly underappreciated he could be
3: you're talking about a premier athlete that's number one and somebody that's always had the mentality of um, getting better and I you you can't take that away from you know players and say athletes overall no matter what sport that always have that space in their hearts in their head and in their talent to improve don't put any limits on them and we've seen him Mookie Betts I mean under the pressure pack of Boston he thrived Under the pressure of the contract that he, you know, declined in Boston, he thrived. Uh, But, you know, Mookie has always been surrounded by people that I know in his circle that have always told him and challenged him to get better at whatever it is, okay? If it's your base running, if it's your outfield. I mean, Mookie turned himself into a go-glove outfielder. Remember, Mookie came through the minor leagues in second base, which he still loves playing. And I remember talking to him back in the days in Boston about, the transition moving to the outfield and he just simply said, I'm going to work as hard as possible to become the best guy I can be out there. There's a lot to learn on a very challenging outfield in Boston. And he thrived because he worked on it. And, you know, he doesn't miss details. Uh, Mookie became more outspoken with the years in, in Boston and even in hitters meetings or positional meetings or analytics meetings, because he understands the game so good. So his success and the fact that he thrives under pressure doesn't surprise me, but also a player that batting leadoff can change a game for you in so many ways, and it could be an at bat. It could be uh, thunder and slugging. It could be the home run, obviously, but just his presence in the batter's box makes a huge difference for the people in front of him and for the people behind him. So, um, you know, I, we always talk about it's like hitting a, a, a your driver in, in golf or hitting a draw, or, or you want to you know hook something and. You know, Mookie has what I call, because I've seen it now, I saw it in Boston, I saw it here in batting practice too, is the ability to maneuver the barrel, okay? It's not so much about bat angle and launch angle and exit velocity. He knows how to, on certain breaking pitches, where to get the barrel, where he's going to maximize how the ball travels out of the barrel. And I've seen him do it with the hitting coaches here and the way they instruct him on certain things. So... Maneuverability of the barrel is something that you don't hear a lot about, but man, he does he have it? Yes, he does. I mean, and it's remarkable. He can see one pitch in the first inning and hit for a line drive base hit, and see the same pitch and maneuver the barrel and hit it 400 feet the next at bat because he does have the ability of obviously the athleticism and the awareness to be a power guy, be a doubles guy, hit the ball the other way. And something too that comes to mind is Ron Renneke, well, obviously you had mookie over in boston he mentioned to me in spring training he goes you know when mookie starts going well he goes when he starts pulling the ball mookie's not one of these guys that as we generalize sometimes saying hey you know this player's hitting the ball the other way it's gonna things are going to be coming around ron renecke said when he starts pulling the ball with authority and hitting foul balls and pull it's going to come and that's exactly what we saw kevin that happened here in may
2: yeah i think you broke it down beautifully just how great of a hitter Mookie Betts truly is. The the adjustments he's able to make in-game. It's it's unlike most hitters out there in Major League Baseball. Top five player since I think he came up, in my opinion. So I wanted to move on to uh the pitching side of things because this is where it kind of gets interesting. So, Jose, I wanted to get your perspective and kind of pick your brain. Let's let's go into the postseason. Who do you think the Dodgers are rolling out as their game one starter? Or hopefully we don't get to this point, but maybe that game seven guy.
3: It's um, real easy to think that, you know, it's going to be in stone one through four, one through four or one through five, which obviously you're not going to use five starters, but I think a lot of it's going to depend on the matchup. Like who are you playing to say, I want this guy. If this series goes this long to see this team twice. So, but to me, if there's a number one guy, my opinion is Julio Rios. I mean, uh, nobody's won more games in the big leagues. The last couple of seasons combined Julio is underrated, in my opinion, on what he can do with a baseball. Julio could be your finesse guy and go out there and throw you some ground balls, but Julio can make some bats, and Julio knows how to win. That's one thing about Julio. mean, obviously, he's got a great teacher in him. He's had it for so many years in Clayton Kershaw. You know, a lot of guys, and I don't blame him either, are happy to just go out there and give you a quality start. Hey, I I made my money. It's done and over with. Okay, I'm going to get paid in an arbitration and eventually in free agency. But you know, Clinton Kershaw goes out there to win games. And that's rubbed up nicely on Julio Urias. And Usi and we'll Urias now, even the way he prepares between starts, his bullpens, his workouts, everything is pretty much go out there and, and just challenge yourself to be better uh, on a physical side, conditioning side, on the mental side. Um, he's grown a lot and matured a lot in terms of just not letting things snowball on him during the game. Like, you know, he doesn't get a call from the umpire, uh, somebody doesn't make a play. Um, he's forgetting himself sometimes. He's got to forgive yourself when you make a mistake too and don't let it affect you the next pitch. But um, my number one, my opinion, is Julio. And from there on, they have the options, obviously, and also got things that are kind of up in the air regarding Gonsolin. You can't ignore what he's done. I mean, this guy has been what many people thought he was going to break around the All-Star game. He became even better. He had a couple of rough starts. faced a couple of tough lineups, and he has gotten better. His month of August was unbelievable. Um, Tyler Anderson, how can you ignore those numbers? Uh, Dustin May, Clayton Kershaw. So it's nice pickings, but I think overall the way it lines up to me, after Rios, it's going to be based more. on Do you want to alter some of those lefties? And also, how do you spray or pepper the righties? And also, who goes to the bullpen? I mean, and Andrew Heaney is – not pitching well as of late, but could he be a guy that if somebody has a short outing, you're going to go to uh, in the middle of a game and say, "I need three innings from you." But to me, Andrew has to earn that as of right now. The way he's pitching, get his confidence up, and, and get the job done. So, you know, the Dodgers, Kevin, are in a very enviable position when you have already pretty much eight games as your magic number. It's pretty much over right, but obviously, the one to get to the finish line and, and take care of things, set up the rotation. And they got to also consider. There's a lot of updates between one series and the other, At the end of the season, your first series. So all those things are going to be factors into how things work out. But I think overall, because of your record, because of how well they're doing, um, it's going to give guys more time to rest, to get set up, and to heal.
2: Yeah. So I'm I'm really glad you brought up the Urius work ethic and preparation because that's actually something I was going to ask you about. But I'm actually right there with you. If Clayton Kershaw, you know was elsewhere retired, it'd be no doubt about that Julio Urias would be the ace of the Dodgers. I mean, he's the ace on probably 90 plus percent of all other major league teams. And I agree hundred percent, very underrated last season, 20 game winner, 296 ERA. And he only got better this season, which I think surprised a lot of people, 15 and seven record at the time of this recording and NL best 2.29 ERA. He's got the lowest whip of his career as well. Oh, yeah. uh, it's just every time you go out there, you feel like you're going to get a win with Julio on the mound. And that's what you want with your ace. And then, yeah, with Tony Gonsolin, the season he's been having too, just remarkable. We talk about him on the show all the time. Uh, hopefully the, the injury doesn't derail him and he's able to get back and stretched out in time for the postseason. Because I have him circled in right now as the game three starter because I still right. – I'm giving the ball to Kershaw game all two right. no matter what. And then, yeah, I wanted to ask you, you know, Dustin May – as He's got some of the filthiest stuff in the game when he's right. But I think sometimes people kind of underestimate how difficult it truly is coming back from Tommy John surgery and getting your mechanics right. He he Basically, he struggled against the Padres. Uh, he left a, a couple hanging curve balls. We saw Manny Machado take one deep to him. Thankfully, we got about four or five regular Pardon season me. starts for Dustin May to get right back on track. But you mentioned Tyler Anderson's track record this season. It was all-star worthy. So the Dodgers definitely got some decisions to make. So I think it boils down to your point. It is going to be matchup oriented.
3: Yeah, I think so too. And then um, on top of that, for a guy like Dustin May is because he is now in the process of recovering and strengthening his, his elbow, obviously, after the operation, he's built up. But you're better off keeping him on a regular schedule where you know that if he Could be a viable option for your bullpen, but is that the best option for him? Right. Meaning what how far, how many days between bouncing back? When can he help you again? So I think guys like that, you gotta really be very careful how you use them, how you place them, and where you place them, because you do not want to interrupt that in-between starts and things that they need to do in detail wise to keep the line moving as they need to take the ball again for you.
2: That's right. And I almost forgot to mention that Julio Urias announced today he's joining the World Baseball Classic for Team Mexico. That's great. That's just great. Add, adds to your point of just the competitor that he is. Not even going to take a full off-season off. He's going in the biggest competition. This might be the most stacked World Baseball Classic shaping up so far. So should Every be
3: roster is getting stacked. So, that you know, that's what happens and for years, I've been saying. And, you know, fortunately enough, I've worked every single Baseball Classic since 2006 – and the days of Venezuela have Phoenix Hernandez and Bobby Abreu and Omar Vizquel and Kelvin Escobar. And, I mean, it was Freddie Garcia. It was sick. But all these players declared their interest early. And this year, when Mike Trout said I'm the captain, I said, forget about it. Everybody's <laughs> going to join in. And not just in the U.S., but all throughout other countries saying, well, if they're stacking up like that, obviously we also don't want to embarrass ourselves with I think that's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. You know, I know there's always concern about injuries and starting early, but you know, ball players get paid to play baseball ball players don't get paid to lift weights. Okay. Ball players get paid for repetition. Go back to how guys did it back in the past With guys, you know, through 200 and some innings, sometimes 300 and they played winter ball. Yes. There's a concern about, the modern day injuries and some things that happen nowadays, but I'm telling you what, man, the more you play and take care of your body, the body's going to respond to the, your demands. And obviously you're going to have time to build up. And I think it's wonderful for William to declare that I think it's great. It's great for baseball. It's great for the tournament. And you watch how many more guys will be joining Mexico now too.
2: So that's really cool perspective. So I agree with you. I got to tell the listeners about tick pick real quick. TickPick is a proud sponsor of the Incline Dodgers podcast. What makes TickPick so awesome is, first of all, no fees when you purchase your tickets. Second of all, all first-time purchasers with a total of $49 or more, use the promo code, all caps, INCLINE, promo code, all caps, INCLINE, to save $10 off your first purchase. If you're trying to go to concerts like me, Maybe you'll catch me at Primavera Sound LA. You can buy tickets right now on TickPick below face value. All you got to do is go to tickpick.com or download the app. Very easy to navigate. Again, no fees. All the sporting events, concerts, theater events, you can find that all on TickPick. So I've become a big fan of TickPick. I'm very grateful they support the show. So why don't you get awesome tickets, do fun things, go to TickPick, like I said, so, shifting gears here now. Obviously, you were with the Angels for about 20 years, so you you saw a number of great players come up with the Angels um as well as just a great perspective of the American League. Now you're over here at the National League, but maybe I'll get your thoughts on a second about MLB going to t- in 2023 where all the teams will be playing each other and how maybe that's a good thing for baseball because you'll get a better glimpse of all the players throughout the league, like if Aaron Judge resigns, there he is coming to Dodger Stadium, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but back to the point here. So, Jake Reiner actually wanted to ask you this question specifically. Despite having Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, why do you think the Angels just were never able to piece together a winning ball club?
3: All you got to do is look at pitching and and just compare it to what happens here and what's happened here consistently. The Dodgers, and it me, I was a little kid here with the Andrew Messersmiths of the world and Claude Osteens and Dunn Sutton's and uh, Rick Sutcliffe and, and so many other guys. They've always been built on, on that foundation. And baseball, unfortunately, because of the excitement of the home run and the excitement of scoring a lot of runs, got away from that. And owners bought into that. And obviously, there's a place for a team, an organization, uh, maybe a ballpark where you play out where you can be more offensively inclined in your mentality and how you build a ball but Man, you cannot get through 162 without pitching. And you yeah. just, on a consistent basis, um, what you develop and how you develop those pitchers means a lot. Who you sign, uh, especially in Latin America, uh, the international uh, aspect of baseball, of course, has taken over, and we can see why. But the reason you know the Angels were not successful is you can bring all the hitters you want. I saw from you know Josh Hamilton to the world to, obviously, uh, Rendon and, and Trout and Otani, and And Pujols, you know, successful guys offensively, but if you don't have the pitching, it's just not going to happen. And it's not just pitching one year, sustainable pitching. They can go out there and give you a chance to win ballgames every single time.
2: Yeah. Victor Rojas, who came on the show a little over a year and a half ago, I kind of asked him the similar question and you probably knew this, but in case the fans forgot, he, he interviewed for the angels vacant GM job at the time. gave very similar answer to you. He pointed out the lack of international scouting and the pitching of course, um, but, yeah, I agree with you 100% there.
3: You know, and uh, I'm going to point out, you know, think about um, Mike Sosha at the helm, a former catcher who really understood that relationship and the value of having guys in the bullpen that can piece it together. And for some reason, throughout baseball, and sometimes the economics have played a huge part of this, is your bullpen pitchers, okay, these are everyday players. These are everyday players. So, if you try to do stop gaps and say we're going to have inexperienced guys because they're cheaper, um, it's just not going to work. Yeah. So, if you know you're going to be using this asset, this piece in your organization, in your team every single day, make it be the best one you can have. And sometimes you're going to fail. Sometimes you're going to sign a reliever for a lot of money a middle reliever for a lot of money. And it's not going to work, but. That part of the game cannot be ignored, and that's why, you know, the days of Mike Social with the Angels, he knew the importance. Buddy Black with the Angels, Mike Butcher with the Angels, the importance of having guys that can go out there and give you the innings, and then having guys in the bullpen, as they call it, to shorten the game for you. Pitching will never, pitching will never grow old. It's always going to be sexy.
2: And I think that's why Andrew Friedman is the best in the business because he just he's always one step ahead of the competition. Evan Phillips is a great example. They picked him up off waivers mid August last season and look at him now. You could argue he's a top 10 reliever throughout the entire sport. Oh
3: yeah.
2: Uh, Sticking angels, but kind of moving it towards the Dodgers in a sense, obviously you were around Shohei Otani for a few years and you got to witness how good he is firsthand. So I kind of want to get your thoughts here because his contract is coming to a close pretty soon. So he could potentially be entering the free agent market. If he were to sign for the sign to the Dodgers, hypothetically, how much bigger on a global scale do you think this would be for Major League Baseball? One and two, Japan, the rest of Asia, and I guess the 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 world itself, seeing a, a, the new Babe Ruth like in competitive in World Series games.
3: That is a fantastic hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is a difference maker. Um, the one thing that many people don't know about, and, and fortunately, I've had a good relationship with Shohei, he's a good friend. He wants to win really bad. And Shohei is, you know, at the point where I think I saw Pujols get to, and I saw Trout get to like, okay, you know, individual accolades, that's great. The hardware is great. And going to the banquets and receiving these things in the speech is great. But how about the group thing? How about winning? And, and that's what drives these guys. I mean, Shohei won in Japan, and he, he never forgot that, how he, how he did it in their culture, how much that means. And, yes, you know, it's, it's, in cult, it's cultured in him that the individual thing is great, but how about the group, you know, us instead of me? And wherever he lands, whether via trade or just free agency, it's going to be a global impact in the game, and it's going to be a global impact in attention, global impact and getting a player that you just can't put a value on money wide because there's nobody like him and global impact in the following, because now it's going to be Shohei Otani surrounded by a team, hopefully that's going to just not be all about Shohei, but about a team that he wants to contribute to, to win. But to see this kid (laughs) and at, at a young age and what he did in Japan, He is one of the most respectful human beings I've ever seen. From never thinking that he's too much and also having that inner chip in him that says, I need that challenge. I need to get better. I can do this. Um, Never put limitations on himself and and show him since he was a young man, you know, age like 15, 16, wrote down a list of things that he wanted to become. And he had always related to success and how to get there and what it was going to take. So I'm happy to see faces like this succeed and having an impact and making a difference in the game. And I'll tell you what, whatever market he goes to, it's going to be something that um, everybody will appreciate, not just the talent for the bat, but also know and understand that this guy is a premier pitcher, that this guy competes with the best and that he wants to win. And beyond that, He's the mo- one of the most inventive guys I know on the mound. Take last season. I'm, uh, I have a spot next to the dugout of the second analyst. And I recall the game where he just started throwing a cutter <laughs> like, out of the blues. He had, And the and, and Kurt Suzuki got together like, hey, let's try this pitch now. That was in a game. This year, in a game, he starts throwing a sinker. <laughs> so, I mean, he's making home plate move this way, this way. I mean, and this mentality that he has is, how can I get better? What, what do I have to do to give the hitter a different look? And then with a the bat, he understands what hitting is all about, how spinning balls is. And, and one of the most impressive things to me since he arrived in the States is he can backspin with the best of them, the opposite field. And that is an asset that he learned in Japan, and that is something he has not abandoned. Now, when he gets away from that, it's when he gets in a little bit of trouble like it happened in 2020. But, boy, he's very special, Kevin, very special player.
2: I'm out here planting seeds. So when the Dodgers are in the mix for Shohei Otani, I want I want you and I want the listeners to think of me because I, <laughs> I I really do think I really do think he's I don't want to say perfect, but the next best thing to like the perfect kind of Dodger. I think he just offers everything you just mentioned: the versatility. We're seeing it with Alberto this season, a position player who they're using a lot to pitch. Well, why don't we got Why don't we get a trained specialist starting games and hitting home runs?
3: <laughs> exactly.
2: Uh, one other question of kind of angels related, but way, way bigger than that. I mean, you'll understand why Albert Pujols is out here chasing 700 home runs. And I think all of major league baseball is rooting for him to hit that milestone. In, in my opinion, I'm, I'm a little younger, obviously than a lot of people from a clean aspect. I think he's the best peer hitter I've ever seen in my lifetime. I think people kind of forget how dominant he truly was with the Cardinals Obviously, it didn't really work out with the Angels, you could say. But when he was St. Louis, nobody was hitting the ball like Albert Pujols in his prime. So, you've been you've been around the game a long time. Just wanted to get a story or a thought of Albert Pujols.
3: Well, I agree with you. I mean, um, you know, people forget that um, you know in this age of Trout, Albert Pujols was my Trout back then. You know, from two thousand and one to. And you understand that the times and the effort that he's put into becoming who he's become didn't come easy. I mean, Albert Pujols still plays with a tip on his shoulder because there's a point where some players picked ahead of him in the draft, and he never forgets that. Um, and I remember I did a comparison one time doing a, a, an Angels TV show and during the game one time and I said, okay, let's do a comparison graphic here on a couple of things. Let's put together next to each other, Albert Pools' first 10 years, okay, on a graphic, next to Mike Trout. And people were blown away saying, are you kidding me? Oh, yes, I wasn't kidding. I mean, go look at everything, the first 10 years, and you'll see not to take anything away from Mike Trout. The game has changed in, in so many ways, and Trout is a specialist at so many things and he was a remarkable untouchable player but just to give a perspective i'm like look at this graphic 10 years for one or like a 1001 games for the other and tell me who is better they're like oh my gosh it's it's jaw dropping and obviously the albert pools of the, the angel sign was they were not expected to be the st louis pools but he takes a lot of pride took a lot of pride in what he did over there he was engaged same mentality as we talked about before. He really, really wanted to win for the fans. He had experience, gold gloves, MVPs, batting titles, RBI titles. But he really, because of the effort that Artie Moreno and the resources Moreno provided for him, he really wanted to win for him. It didn't happen, unfortunately. It was not the ending that he wanted with the Angels. But I'm telling you, about, uh, you know, what a dear friend and somebody that I've seen go through the grind in maintaining – uh, staying focused in the natural ability. This guy is a, a baseball savant. He does not stop thinking about not just the hitting part of it, but takes a lot of pride. It took a lot of pride in the defense. And in those backfields over in Jupiter with Jose Okendo, hours and hours and hours. He and Yadi Molina. And then he made so many people around him better. Adam Wainwright. I mean, all these guys he talks about. Chris Carpenter. I mean, he talked about Woody and, and Jim Edmonds and Eck and all these guys have made him better. And I think that's what makes Albert special because he's always had the mentality too of, okay, I know I've, I've done this before, but about these guys? You know, I would not have the RBIs without guys getting on base. And things like that just make a player to be more respected, uh, more presentable to the fan. And obviously I think Albert too is a great example for young kids that don't get picked high. But got to put the grind in to say, no matter where you picked me, what you saw of me, here's what I can become, and he's done it.
2: Great stuff. Yeah, I'm just thinking back to his last season in St. Louis, 2011, and from what I recall, it seemed like everyone was just crowning the Phillies the World Series champions. Well, they had a first round date with the the Cardinals, and the Cardinals upset and shocked the world, and they go on to win the World Series. And probably a lot of that stems from Albert Pujols.
3: Um yes. Um yeah, go ahead, Kevin.
2: So when we're talking about Dodgers legends, I don't think you can leave out your father, Manny Mota, because of how big of an impact this guy had, not only on the field, but as a coach. And obviously you grew up around the Dodgers. So two questions in one. First of all, um, this is technically your first season back with the Dodgers. So I want to just kind of know what the pride and the joy you felt when the Dodgers gave you the opportunity.
3: Well, first of all, you're thrilled because, um, you know, having grown up in this organization and having grown up in this ballpark and around the many legendary players and executives and and personnel around this place, uh, to me, was such a joy. Uh, I was obviously in a good place with the Angels. Um, I had an opportunity to join the Dodgers Many years ago, um, things just didn't line up. I was happy with what I was doing back then, but, you know, things just lined up better this time up and um, the opportunity was there. And, you know, I couldn't be more thrilled. Obviously uh, a big deal to us as a family, for myself, uh, knowing that there was interest from this prestigious organization. And then to see my dad a lot and to join him and, and to see all the things that he's, he, he has done here in LA and how much love and affection he received from the fans and for the organization overall is quite remarkable so I'm uh, still like living a dream. Uh, obviously I was part of the Dodgers in the minor leagues for a couple of seasons in A, so I got to know a lot about the Dodgers system and philosophy of playing which I knew from as a son, never as a player but Uh, truly is fun to watch how they go about their business and uh, how people are taken care of and uh, the appreciation for the alumni, which is great. Uh, Appreciation for guys in the baseball field and, and all the people that are influencers and to make sure the product is right, not just in the big leagues, but all throughout the organization. I'm quite happy to see that.
2: I can only imagine how special of a feeling it must be doing the same thing that Vince Scully did Jaime Harin in his final season, Fernando, Rick Monday, Charlie Steiner, Tim Neverett, Joe Davis, Oral yep. Um
3: And I get to work with all of them. So that's the <laughs> best part, you know, and uh, even though I do that, my, my bulk of my, my work is um, work in Spanish radio, but I've gotten the chance to work with Rick who's known me since I was, uh, what, 14 years old uh, when I was a bad boy, ball boy, a clubhouse attendant, um, Charlie, who I've known for many years from the days back in ESPN in New York. Um Joe, whom I admired, you know, for, for this is Oral, whom I met when he was in Winter Bowl with my dad back like in 1980. Think about this, uh, and obviously, um Jaime, I, I grew up in this booth. I grew up coming to these booths. I'm a baseball rat. Uh Benny was bringing me up here when I was seven years old, and putting the headphones on me. Uh, and beyond that, you know, Jerry Doggett and Ross Porter and and Rudy Oyos and Fag Garcia. So to me, is like reliving so many of the memories that. Uh, in, in the times that I, uh, I spent here as a kid, suffering also sometimes when the values didn't play well and when I couldn't go to the clubhouse. <laughs> the bigger <laughs> machine was dominating at times. So um, it, it's been quite fun, obviously, to relive it and to obviously be part of it. now it's my profession. And to share with, with the fans and my brothers and sisters and obviously my mom and, and be close to them, uh, closer here in the organization, uh, it's more than a blessing.
2: Incredible. All right, I just got a couple more questions for you. They'll be a little quicker. Uh, first one, you know, there's just been so much hype with the Padres the last two seasons. I think baseball in general was hoping this would be the next big rivalry. Uh, so sticking on that subject, uh, why do you think it just really hasn't worked out for Juan Soto thus far? The Padres obviously gave up a lot, and he's we just saw uh, the Padres come to town. Soto didn't really have a great series to remember. Uh, so just as someone that's as knowledgeable as you, just kind of curious – why he's off to such a slow start.
3: Yeah. I'm kind of curious too. Looking at his numbers and, you know, to see a Juan Soto in the two forties of the Padre with three home runs and six RBI, I'm like scratching my head going, what's going on here? I think we all know he can walk, but for Juan, I see sometimes that uh, there's times when he can be more aggressive and and make his money hitting the baseball where he decides to be more passive. Now I do understand the value that it's put on walking. Okay. But, there's times too when you are the guy. You are right. the guy people want to see swimming the bat. And guys getting in front of you are doing it for a reason. And I think in that respect, perhaps the change of scenery, they're not pitching to him any differently. Let's not buy into that because baseball is baseball and scouting right. now is, is global, you know, it's universal. But the adjustment to the environment, the ball club, and just the overall pressure mounting on hammer just not playing his game because the one sort that I've seen, the swings that I've seen are not one sort of swings. I mean, I see a lot of longer swings. I see a lot of tapping sometimes uh, getting in a position where he gets a little defensive and a little too passive sometimes. But first me, all, he is a unique talent. Once he gets accustomed to uh, the surroundings, it'll be different. Josh Bell, same thing happened to him. I just don't see the same Josh Bell that we saw here visiting with the Nationals. Um, and that team's gone through a lot. Obviously, i um, They've built, on paper, a wonderful team, enviable rotation. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the Josh Hader situation has not helped, um, and it didn't help the Brewers either. But it's a team that um, don't take it for granted. I mean, the Padres are built from the top down as a team that catches a baseball. Manny Machado is still one of the best players in the game. Kim can really pick at a shortstop. You know, Tatis is not a factor, so I'm not even going to make him a factor because he has not been. Um, but something just has not clicked yet, including, you know, bringing over Bob Melvin, who did so much with way less over at Auckland. So it's a bit of a mystery to me. I don't have an answer to it, but I know one thing. Don't take it for granted because they know what they have put together. And you know what, Kevin, sometimes it takes a week for it to flourish and they get in and they can get to the playoffs and surprise a lot of people.
2: Yeah, you're not wrong there. With the, the amount of talent they have, you know, anything could happen. Just a one random question here, uh, pop culture related. Just want to get to know Jose a little better. Uh, give me a music artist, a show, a movie, anything that just you've been digging these days.
3: <laughs> oh, my wife will laugh at this, but I'm uh, I've been trying to finish the Americans, right? Oh, great, great series. Uh, I think it was like five seasons, something like that. And I, I keep going back and like falling asleep after ten, ten 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And uh, I'm like, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll make it last for two years, but I don't care. I just want to watch the whole thing at some point, right? <laughs> but um, in terms of music, I'm, I'm still inclined to my music back in the Dominican, uh, Merengue, uh, Salsa, obviously going back to the Maze of you know, people that are more known over there than here. Um, but also going back to the days of like memories of driving back with my father in the car, like Frank Sinatra tapes will always be played in that station wagon. And I've, I've stayed with that, you know. Um, and then um, to me, entertainment is like cooking. I love to cook. Off-season for me is like cook, travel, uh, get to experience different things, do some hot yoga and work out. And that's pretty much it. I'm a pretty, pretty boring guy when it comes down to doing stuff, you know, away from. From baseball um, but also too is my spiritual side is something very important to me and I take a lot of pride in in just making sure that I can honor God with my actions, with my words, my thoughts and and help somebody out too. I mean it's important for us to run our charity, help people in the Dominican Republic. Now we're helping a lot of people in Colombia, South America, we're helping people in, in Venezuela so that's what really occupies my heart. Besides the fact that uh, I like being home and enjoying my my wife, my kids, and my two grandkids.
2: Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, baseball's time-consuming, but when we're able to squeeze in other things, you got to do it when you can. Well, Jose, I know you got got some work to do tonight. Uh, Really appreciate you coming on the show this evening. Uh, You've been phenomenal. I I hear you on the radio, TV, all that. So I really enjoy your work. I'm glad to have you on the Dodgers team. So uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show this evening.
3: Kevin, thank you very much. I truly, really respect you guys as a Dodger uh, nation, as I say, because I've seen it through the years. I see it on social media. I understand everything that you guys have, you know, felt and done through. But the support that I see here with fifty thousand fans in the stands is absolutely remarkable. Beyond me to think that it's been sustained for so many years, but that new generation of social media. Um, Really uh, interested in how you guys break it down because obviously there's a lot of knowledge. A lot of people have put their piece in and make it more fun for us even to learn more about this. Be well.